Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Matthew, in the, we had some reference to it during prayer last night, but I feel it strongly in my spirit, so I, I want to read it. Out of Matthew chapter 4, this is after the three major temptations that came against the Lord Jesus Christ. The enemy was attacking the word, attacking the word, attacking the word. But now verse 11 says this, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now, last night the Lord gave us a word that we're entering into a season of time in which the access of the adversary against us is going to become very limited. You say, well, I don't know if that's scriptural or not. It is in the Word. If, you, if you're a Bible believer, then you understand that there's times in which, hey, has anybody in here been resisting temptations? Resisting temptations to be poor, resisting temptation to be sick, resisting sin temptation. You've just been, you've been standing your ground. You've been resisting. Anybody wave your hand at me if you've been doing it. Well, listen, listen, now I got a word for you. Then the devil leaveth. <laughs> you ought to get a hold of that in your spirit. Then the devil leaveth. Listen, you resist for a purpose. You say, what is the purpose? So the devil has to leave. Your resistance, your submission to the Word of God, and your, your resistance to the devil, the Bible says, causes him to run in stark terror from you. So I declare that this summer, June, July, and August, is going to be an extended season for us here at Island Church in which the access of the adversary is going to be very, very limited, if at all. Say, well, I, I don't know if I believe that. Believe it because the word says it. You've resisted. You've stood your ground. You've believed God. Then the devil, and then there's another part to it. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Increase in angelic activity. I'm glad you're so excited. <laughs> increase. Somebody say increase. The Bible says they are special messengers, flames of fire, servants for those that are heirs of salvation. Do we have any heirs of salvation in here? That is us. So an increase in the operation of the angelic, the spiritual realm activated on our part, standing on ground and resisting temptation, and the devil doing what? Running, leaving, running and starting her. See yourself victorious. See yourself in victory, not in a fight, not in defeat. See yourself in victory. See yourself blessed. See yourself healed. See yourself full of joy. See your face. Listen, see, and I know the enemy here to do everything to do. Oh, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to listen. He is a liar. He is defeated. He is, yeah, listen, he has no power over you but the power you give him. And listen, we are here not to defeat the devil. He's already been defeated. We are here to demonstrate and to stand on that defeat and declare in the name of Jesus. Our bodies are healed. Our finances are blessed. Our minds are clear. We're resistant against sin and poverty and all the temptations of the world in its system. We are the blessed of Almighty God. Everybody say, we are the blessed of Almighty God. Say it again. We are the blessed of Almighty God. One more time. We are the blessed of Almighty God. Now give him a shout. 
Now, if you've come tonight and you're suffering with pain or any kind of symptoms in your body, would you get out of your seat real quick? For you see, your spirit is reaching. Your spirit is hungering. Your spirit is desiring the deeper and the greater things of God. And there are even things in your mind that have said, No, no, I can't go. I can't go that direction. I can't go that way. But the Spirit of the Lord invites and bids you this night. Enter in. Enter in where others have dared. Enter in where others have gained access. And you will see the blessing, the great blessing of God come upon your life, come upon your family, and you shall see the greatest days of your life ahead of you and not behind you as you enter into the deeper things of the Lord Jesus Christ. So respond to the invitation that's in your heart and in your spirit and you shall rejoice in the days ahead and say thank you Lord that you've allowed me to come in and to experience these things for not only will you experience them but you'll share them with many others and they will be blessed because of your desire to know and experience these things. Hallelujah. Amen. What's up, brother? In your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. We left off here last week. We're studying biblical prosperity. I, in studying the Word of God, and in my attempts by faith to live according to the Word of God financially, I have seen that the Word of God deals more with our character when it comes to finances than it does with actual application of money. You say, what do you mean? Well, digging into the Word of God isn't going to tell you to put money here, put money there, you know, invest in this, invest in that. It actually deals more with your heart and with your character. Because you've got to understand, you can have millions of dollars and no character, and it's not going to do you any good. They've proven that with all the lotteries and all the money that's won through gambling. The Bible talks about that very plainly in the, in the book of Proverbs. How people without character, people without uh, uh, morals, people without insight into the Word of God, if you give them riches, it destroys them. It absolutely destroys them. Listen, the answer for the problems of life is not money. If money was a cure-all, then we, should, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. We should all be out working a second, third, or fourth job. Amen? Trying to get all the money we can get. But you will find out that money does not answer all the questions of life. And throwing money at problems doesn't answer it either. You know, society tends to do that. Governments tend to do that. Uh, people tend to say, well, we'll just, we just throw some money at this situation. We'll throw some money at this problem. But it never cures anything. It never helps anything. So God shows us plainly in the Word of God. It is amazing how when Jesus walked on the earth, he dealt with people and he dealt with their finances. Actually, one time they were receiving the offering, and Jesus was standing right there by the offering plate making comments on all the money that was being put in there. How would you like that to happen? For the pastor to walk down the aisle with the ushers and talk about every person that's putting money. Say, well, you know, that person, that's a good person. They're giving, but this one, he holds back every week. That's what Jesus was doing. That's exactly what he was doing. Amen? I mean, he was, he's, he's the kind of guy, he didn't hold nothing back at all. Now, this particular story, we started looking at it last week in which he began to deal with a rich young ruler. Rich young ruler came to him with the most important question in life. The most important question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Buddy, that's when you want to get right. 
I mean, if you have a terrible life on this earth and only live, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years and die, and, but if you go to heaven, everything's going to be all right. But if you live 120 years and have your health for the all 120 years and die and go to hell, it's all in vain. Amen. So that is the most important question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So Mark chapter 10, let's pick it up again. It says in verse 17, when he or Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Notice Jesus was always focusing people back to the Father. That means our lives should be what? Focusing people to Jesus. Focusing people right to Jesus. You know, we are the gospel written in somebody's lives. Not what we say so much as what we do. Got quiet on me there, didn't it? Says, thou knowest the commandments. This is Jesus still speaking in verse 19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. He answered and said unto him, unto him Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now, he was a man involved in a covenant of law. These laws were initiated and given to the Jewish people by God on Mount Sinai through his prophet Moses. Many of the laws ended up in traditions, but that which he is talking about basically have their foundation in the Ten Commandments. So he is saying, now listen what he's saying, through willpower, because that's how you obey the laws, through willpower, through willpower, I have obeyed all of these laws. Now that's why he's a rich young ruler, is because he had been inherent, uh, inherently obedient to the law, and obedience to the law promises blessings. Under that covenant, if you obey the law, you were blessed. Under that covenant, if you obeyed the law, which the law included the do's and don'ts, it included the wisdom of God, it included the application of the law, there were all kinds of things, but if you obeyed that law, you were blessed. Financially, you were blessed. You couldn't help but be blessed. So he had done this. He had adhered to the law. But now remember what Jesus is doing. Jesus is coming to complete the law so that he might bring in a dispensation of grace. Let me say that again. He's coming to complete the law so that he might come into a dispensation of grace. In a dispensation of grace, we do not live by do's and don'ts or by the law. We live by faith. Faith accesses the grace necessary that we may need. Grace for healing. Well, the first grace you ever accessed was faith. with your faith was for salvation. For by grace we are saved through faith. Not of works, it is the least of God, uh, gift of God, least any man or woman should boast. Ephesians chapter 2. So the first time you used your faith, you used it to access grace for salvation. So the rest of our lives, we don't adhere to law or legalism. Listen, the church has gotten into that ditch so many times. So many times. Legalism. I mean, they put it on the women. You can't cut your hair. You can't wear jewelry. You can't do this. You can't do that. They got all these do's and don'ts that never do work. That all they do is put people into bondage. That's all they do. God still requires, and we're studying on every Sunday morning, the just shall live by what? Faith. So by faith, we access the graces of God, the many graces that God gives us. God's ability working on our behalf in our lives. Now think of this for a moment. 
Before you were saved, before you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, grace was working for you. God kept you alive, kept you from being. How many, how many of you, you know that there were times in your life you could have been killed, something could have happened to you, you could have been destroyed, but just something happened and you thought, why did that happen? That was the grace of God. Now, if the grace of God was that powerful to keep you alive till you could get the gospel into your heart, how much more powerful should it be towards you now that you have access to it by your faith? So he's trying to pull this guy into a grace walk, out of a law walk, and into a grace walk. Now, notice what he says. I love this. It says, Jesus beholding him, loved him. What initiated the dispensation of grace? The love of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So what brought this dispensation, what Jesus himself called the acceptable year of the Lord, what brought it to us, what gave it to us was God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Thank God for Jesus. But now he loved him. But now notice, said unto him one thing, say one thing, always make sure you get the one thing out of your life. You say, what is it? I don't know. Whatever the one thing is that stands in between you and God, you and the fullness of God, you and the blessing of God, you and the anointing of God, you and the power of God, you and the revelation of God, if anything stands in between you and it, whatever one thing that is, get it out. Don't hang on to one thing. One thing thou lackest. Now notice this. One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, Give it to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. So an invitation, an invitation, and an assignment. Everybody say an invitation and an assignment. Now, number one, he says, go take, sell what you have, give it to the poor. He was not trying to make this guy poor. We'll see that in just a minute when we get to the end of the story. He wasn't, trying to, he wasn't trying to drag this guy into, 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 into poverty. Remember I told you last week as I was studying this about a week ago, all these things began to pull up. This is one that really impressed me when I saw this. Jesus was giving him two laws. You say, what do you mean, two laws? Because everything to him was a law. Everything him was, to him was instructional. So he says, you've been a good guy at keeping the law. So I'm going to give you two things to do. You're going to have to go sell whatsoever you have and give it to the poor, and then you're going to have to come and follow me, hoping that this guy would do, quote, the spiritual equation and say, okay, I've been keeping the law, keeping the law, keeping the law, and then there's only these other two things that I can do, and I'll have eternal life. Amen? Now, the first thing, go sell whatsoever thou hast and give it to the preacher. No? To buy a new television station. Jet airplane. Notice what it says. And I've heard it preached. Listen, we never give to the poor. We never, you better go study Proverbs. Proverbs talks about the people that withhold their hand from the poor. God will not bless them. We do. We give to poor people. We help poor people. The number one thing we give to poor people is the gospel. 
but we also help them and bless them and try to do what we can to bring them along to the path of righteousness so they can get to a place where they can prosper. But now notice what he said. Go sell whatsoever thou hast and give it to the poor. Now, what if he had said, give it to me? Jesus would have said, give it to me. Then there might be a chance that he might give it because giving to the poor, listen to this, giving to the poor requires compassion. And compassion is a character change. And Jesus is initially drawing this young man into not a changing of laws, but a changing of character. And in order to give to the poor, he has to reach down into his soul and find some compassion for them. You cannot give to anybody you don't have compassion for. I watched last Wednesday. It was last. What was it last Wednesday? We had Jerry and Jana with us. Jerry and Jana were with us last. And the beautiful, their, their beautiful little daughter. What is her name? Mapula. Did y'all see that beautiful? I mean, absolutely one of the most beautiful children I've ever seen in my. You know where they found her? They found her in the river, floating in the river, covered with ants. As a young baby, her mother took her and threw her away. She was a throwaway baby. Threw her into the river. And she washed up on the bank covered with ants, and they heard her crying. If they wouldn't have heard her crying, she would have died, and the animals would have ate her. Uh, uh, Dozens of those children, they die like that every year. That's why they've opened that home, and they're rescuing children now. That compassion was ignited in Jerry and Jana. When they saw that child, they had to do more than just open a home. They had to make them, that's our child. That's compassion. That's comp- Listen, that's why we tell you the stories of the missionaries. That's why we bring them here and put them in front of you to try to get your character changed where that you can reach down deep on the inside of you and pull up the compassion of God toward the hurting, toward the unloved, toward the orphans, toward the widows, toward those that don't have a chance in life. We go to them and preach to them. You say, why? Because in doing so, it demands of us a change of our character where we're more concerned about people than we are ourselves. That's what he's trying to do to this rich young ruler. He's saying it's not all about you. There are poor people that need help. Then secondly he says, come, take up the cross. Notice the terminology. Follow me. He only told that to 12 other people. They were all disciples that became apostles except for Judas Iscariot. So he gave him an assignment, then he gave him a command to follow him. Now here's the deal. He's inviting him into the inner circle of what the heavenly father is fixing to do through redemption, one of the greatest invitations that only 12 other men ever entered into that sit on 12 thrones in heaven right now. Would there have been a 13th? You tell me. Would there be a 13th? He loved him. He's trying to change him. He's trying to. But now notice what happens at this. He was what? Sad. Why? The word sadness there, if you study in the Greek, it's connected to the word grief, which means to incur a, a loss. He saw himself at this tremendous invitation of God, to be a part of what God was doing, he viewed it as a loss because he didn't have the character of compassion in his heart. 
So we've come to a point about prosperity. You say, what do you mean? Every time we take an offering, you cannot view the money leaving your checkbook, your wallet, or any other way you're giving, you cannot view it as a loss in your life. If you ever put anything in the offering that you consider a loss at Island Church, don't put it in there. You say, why not? Because I want you blessed for every dime you get. We tell people that all the time. Don't give mad. Don't get, get, give angry. You say, why? We don't want angry money in there with our happy money. Remember, we get, we're cheerful givers. Everybody say cheerful givers. So we got all this happy money. It's back there in the safe, and it's rejoicing, and it's praising God. Hallelujah. We got given. We got given. We're going to get to go to Africa. We're going to get to go to Ecuador. We're going to get to go to China. We're going to get to go to Guatemala. Hallelujah. We're going to get to pay the bills. We're going to get to buy a new building. We're going to get to preach the gospel. Here we are. We're happy money. So we don't want bad money in there with the happy money. I know y'all might not see it like that, but I do. Never give mad. Never give fearful. Well, I'm so afraid. Pastor, I, I, think God is, I think God has told me to give this amount of money, but I'm not, I'm not sure. That's a sign he hadn't told you. If God speaks to you, you know it's God. If he tells you to give $1,000 and you think, I don't know if it's God or not, it's not. But if you know it is, you need to obey him. Are you with me? Because what we do is we afford every person the same opportunity as Jesus was affording this young man. When we take an offering, we are saying, here is your opportunity to participate in the kingdom of God with what God is doing in the earth today, to reach down into your heart, to pull up some compassion, and to respond to that compassion toward, uh, through giving. And then what? As you do that, you are able to come and take up the cross. Now it becomes, I noticed in my life, when I gave, it was so easy for me to obey God. When I would give money and give money and sacrificially give and, and God would speak to us to give this and give that, it made it so easy. Then God would say, do this. I never inquired. God say, do this. Yeah, no problem. God say, do this. Yeah, no problem. It never, because once you find obedience on the level of money, every other thing God tells you to do literally becomes simple. You say, why? Because you do not realize how connected you are to money until God puts a demand upon you to give some that you don't want to give. Woo, not many amens on that one, was there? <laughs> but you got to remember what money is. Your life is measured out in time. You're measured out 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. You go and you take that time. And you give that time to an employer. You give that time to a business. You give that time to a job. They recompense you and give you back a paycheck. Give you back money. Give you back a retirement check. Give you back a whatever type of check that you get. You are compensated for your time. At the end of life, how much would you give for more time? That shows you how valuable time is. So when you are giving your money, you're giving something that is of yourself. You're giving up something that is of you. Amen. Remember, remember David. David messed up, numbered the people, got in all kinds of trouble. Plague came on Jerusalem. God, through a prophet, told him how to get out of it. He went to the threshing floor, and he was going to... He was going to offer a sacrifice there, and he told the guy there at the threshing floor what he was going to do. God said, hey, look, I'll give it to you. He said, I'll give it all to you. You know, get this plague off Jerusalem. Get it off of it. And David said, I will not give anything to the Lord. That hadn't cost me something. And he said, I will pay you the fair price for this threshing floor. You know, you know, most of us, we said, oh, that's the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
But no, David said, no, I understand what giving's all about. And if I give something that doesn't mean anything to me, it doesn't mean anything to me. It must not mean anything to God. But if I give something that costs me something. Now think about this. This will help you understand what's going on in this story. What kind of compassion did it take for God to give Jesus? And how valuable of a gift was Jesus? He was the Word. He is the Word. He forever will be the Word. The Bible says, by Him, in Him, and through Him, all things consist and find their existence. Which means without the Word of God, everything disintegrates and goes away. And when Jesus hung on the cross, the earth violently shook. The sun refused to shine. The clouds and everything covered the sun. The tombs of the saints were opened. The earth came closest to the brink of extinction that had ever been. You say, why? The very entity that held everything together was dying for you and I. And the earth was shaking. Even somebody who knew nothing about spiritual things, an old rough sergeant, looked up at the cross and said, surely this must be the Son of God. He could recognize the very elements of itself. The weather was revolting. The earth was revolting. A nature was saying, no, no, no. And God was saying, yes, yes, yes. Because of his compassion and love for us. We are saved because we serve a giving God. Now notice this. How's my time? Oh my goodness, where did my time go? He was sad at that saying and went away. Grieve. There's the same word again. Perceived loss. For he had great possessions. I always write this in my Bibles. Great possessions had him. Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Everybody say the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God is the processes of God. The way God does things. Remember Jesus said over in Mark chapter 4, The kingdom of God is as if a man would take and put seed into the ground. Amen. So he's actually saying it is very difficult for those that trust in riches to trust in another system. That's what he's saying. How, shall, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now notice this. His disciples were astonished at his words and answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the way God does things. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now notice, he's not talking about a sewing needle sticking a camel, because that's totally impossible. You can't stick a camel through a sewing needle. He's talking about the gate, everybody say the gate, within the gate. Which means at night, because all of the walled cities used walls for protection, at night they would close the main gate. But if you were a caravan that was stuck outside the walls, then you could come into the city through what's called the eye of the needle. The eye of the needle was a small door. They trained the camels to get down on their knees and crawl through the eye of the needle. But they had to unload them, and then they could load them back up on the other side. Jesus is saying this about all, the, all those that do what? Trust in riches. You don't have to be rich to trust in riches. Who do you trust to pay your bills? Who do you trust to bless you? Who do you trust? You, well, I, I'm old, I got to do it. I, I'm the one. I got to get out there and work and sweat. No, no, no. You got to learn to trust God. Trust God. Your paycheck, 
is just a resource. It supplies you with seed. Then God blesses you because of your obedience and your compassion and your desire to give. Are you with me? But there are times in our lives when we trust in riches where God wants to unload us, humble us, and get us over on the other side in a new character so that he can load us back up. Twice in Lee and I's life, we hadn't had to do it recently, but the first, I guess, 10 years we were married, we gave away everything we had twice. I'm not talking about, you know, you've got a few thousand stashed over here, you got some gold bullion over here, you got some money. I'm talking about everything we, the, the, the first time, I got to tell this testimony because it had such an impact on us. We'd been married, what, maybe a year and a half. And at that time, two major ministries, major, huge, massive ministries had fallen. And I'm telling you, the move of God had shut down all over this nation. I mean, the, the, the preachers that were on uh, CNN and, and Nightline and all these things and, and all this financial and immoral stuff was going on. And I'm telling you, there weren't any churches having any revivals. There weren't any churches having any special preachers. I mean, it, was just, it, was just, it just died. This would have been 87, the fall of 1987. And, and, and so we just, we just continued to believe God. Leah had, a, had a, a business at the time. Her paycheck didn't pay the bills. It got us a few groceries. We just kept giving, kept trusting God, kept tithing. And I remember we had $50 left in our account, in a, in a checking account. And I had a friend I went to Bible school with who was, a, who was a missionary to Guatemala. And I had committed to support that missionary with $50 a month. And it was the time of the month to give him his $50. So I went to the bank. I remember getting the, actually I went to a, to a, to a convenience store and got a money order. And wrote it out and put it in that check, put it in that envelope, and sent it to Guatemala. And we didn't have any money. And I remember after doing that, feeling so good. I cannot describe to you how I felt. Knowing I had nothing to trust in but God. So I didn't go back to my prayer room. I didn't go back, cry, lay on the floor, roll around. I went and got my shotgun. Went down the island down here, went dove hunting. Leah got enough tips that day cutting hair where we were able to go. What was the cafeteria that used to be up here? Luby's. Whatever it was. We went to Luby's, and I told her, we ain't got no money. And she's like, praise God. And we went home. And, you know, you walk through the door, and there's your mailbox there and reached into the mailbox, grabbed some letters, pulled it out, came home, started opening them up. And from people that had no idea anything about our finances, anything what we were going through, were thousands of dollars that took us through September, October, November, December, and January 88. We hit the ground running and hadn't stopped since. Every need supplied abundantly. You say why? Because we found a way to allow ourselves to be unloaded so that God could bring us back into a greater dimension of his character in us so that he could load us back up. Many times that's what it is. It's not, a, it's not an issue of, well, how I handle money, how I do it. It's our character that God is working on. I heard an old preacher say this year, to me years ago, Papa Effie Ward. He said, Rusty, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, ain't many preachers have preached this to you, but I'm going to tell you the truth through experience. He'd learned this through many years of ministry. He said, God is much more interested in the creation of the character of Christ on the inside of you than he is in your comfort. 
He said, if you can recognize that, then you're going to go a lot further than a lot of people. Because a lot of people only think God's interested in their comfort. So they only go toward the comfort side. But if you realize there will be times when God working in your life and doing things to create character in you will put you in a place of discomfort. And you'll stand there and say, that's not God, that's not God. When it just might be God trying to unload you of a bunch of junk in your mind and in your character so that he can dredge up the compassion of God that's in your human spirit. So that when you see the poor, you see them as poor. When you see the unloved, you see them as unloved. When you see the hurting, you see them as hurting. And you want to do something about it, and money won't stand in your way. Should have got a better amen than that. So, he said it's easier. Let me close now. Oh, my goodness, now I'm five minutes over. Where'd I go? Here I am. How hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. They were astonished out of measure. That means they're freaking out. Saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Jesus looking upon them said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we've left all, we've followed thee. He, they had. Jesus answered and said, now listen to this. Verily I say unto you, there is no man that have left the house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive. A hundredfold, now in this time, now in this time, now in this, not when you get to heaven, now in this time, now in this time, somebody needs to get that, houses, brethren, sister and mothers, children, lands with persecution, that means the world doesn't like it, and in the world to come, eternal life. He answers the question, the guy's not there to hear it. He answers the question. The guy, and this is the, here's the tragedy of the whole thing. The guy missed a hundredfold return on everything he got. Didn't Jesus just say, here in this time, here in this time? He, he, he forsook, let's just, I hate to do it this crudely, but he forsook the greatest business deal ever offered him because it took faith on his part to trust who he was doing, who he was obeying. Are you with me? And then in the life to come, eternal life. He answered his question, but the guy had left, oh, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes earlier, grieved and mad that they wanted to take another offering. Amen? So sometimes you've got to stick around to hear the full story of everything God desires to do because he got his question answered. He was offered the greatest business deal of his entire life and most probably an apostolic calling and office which he rejected because he had great possessions. If there's anything that stands in between you and God, material, get rid of it. I'm not telling you go sell it and give it to, go sell and give it to poor. Give it to some. But if there's anything material that stands in between you and God, get rid of it because it will become a stumbling block. It will become something that will keep you out of the greater blessings that God has for you. Listen, money's just a tool. Don't let it be your master. Money's just a tool. Don't let it tell you what you can and cannot do. Don't let it speak to you and tell you, you'll never have enough of me. You'll never have enough to be happy. That is all a lie of the devil. 
You tell your money what it's good. You tell your money, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to offer. I'm going to be involved in the kingdom of God. I'm going to do it because of compassion. I'm going to do it because of love. We're going to build churches. We're going to go to the nations. We're going to reach people. We're going to help the poor and the downtrodden, the unloved, the hurt. We're going to have a heart of compassion. And we're going to ask God to make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so we can give more and more and more and more. And when we do that, we get our questions answered. We get our doubt removed. And we get to do what? We get to take up our cross and follow the master. Wherever he goes, we're right there with him. Everything that he's doing, we're right there with him. Amen? Praise God. I went over time, but I had to get finished tonight. Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings life and light to us. Thank you for the anointing that is upon your word. Father, tonight, this is not about money. We're not taking another offering. Father, we're asking you to deal with our character. Deal with our heart of compassion toward the poor, toward those that do not have anything, toward those that have not heard the gospel. Even those upon this island, Father, who are so hurting tonight, the addicted, the afflicted, the downtrodden, the unlovable, the rejected. Father, that's the ones you sent Jesus to touch, to help, and to heal. And Father, we want to be his hand extended. We want to do what you've called us to do in reaching out to the unloved and the untouched. So Father, tonight, take us and humble us and bring us through the eye of the needle and bring us into the, into the reality of the kingdom of God in operation. Let our hands be very loose when it comes to money so that we're willing to let go of anything, anything that you say give, anything that you say release, we're more than willing to do it. We do it willingly. We do it gratefully, thanking you that you trust us enough to give and to do the work of the ministry. We thank you for it, Father. And tonight I pray over each and every one that may be struggling financially. We break the power of poverty over them. I thank you that the deposit of salvation on the inside of them is more than enough to cause faith to rise up, to reach down into their finances and obey God in every area so that that might be broken over their lives and they might realize what true prosperity is. I bind every spirit that tries to bring anxiety and worry over money. In this hour in which we live, in which at any moment, whole nations could go bankrupt. At any moment, things could happen financially that are off the scale. But Father, I thank you that we have a security in Christ. We've given, we've trusted, we've believed you. And we say, Lord, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all of the poverty, in the midst of all that happens, that you're bringing and rising up a church full of blessing, full of finances, to go to the world and do what you've called us to do. We thank you for it, Father. We believe we receive it. And Father, I thank you. One of the traits of the last days in times churches will be in the midst of great financial turmoil. We'll have full sufficiency. Abundance and no lack in every area. And we rejoice in expectancy. And everyone says, hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, we release our faith toward our protection and safety. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services. Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730.